As you are dismissed to go downstairs, kids up through, what is it, third grade. Uh, let me remind the parents one last time. I've been doing this every week for a while because I've been asked to uh, remember you got to have that tag when you go pick up your kids. No tag, no kids. All right? That's the deal. That way we're all safe. If you're a guest with us, we especially welcome you. There are some cards. You'll see one in the chair in front of you there. There are Connect cards. By the way, we're about to come out with brand new, I think, really gorgeous Connect cards. You won't like these anymore. But uh, this is what we still have today. So we'd love it if you'd fill out a card, put it in the offering basket when those come by a little bit later, and somebody in our church wants to write you and send you a letter uh, thanking you for your visit with us. Before I move on in the sermon, may I just say to you, one of the things I I prayed for, one of the things we hoped for for 2020, one of the things I made known to you at our core meeting in January was that by the end of the year, we would like to have three seeker groups, groups that you lead with friends who are not Christians. You're seeking them, and they're seeking God, and you bring them into your love and your home, and, and you lead them in studying Scripture or however your group operates and we, we, I, I had said this big goal, man of big faith, for three by the end of the year. Well, I'm happy to tell you that there are two up and running, and there are another seven in development right now. So that's pretty wild. Yeah. You, you, all, you all bunch of people are insane. That's what you are. I just, I love it. Love being here with you. All right, but let's get on to the sermon. We read the passage. Now I'm going to ask you a cultural question. Here's a picture. What's the movie? Beautiful mind. Who's the actor? How many pounds did he lose to play that role? 52. That's a thin, young-looking Russell Crowe right there. And he played a math genius. The title of today's sermon is A Beautiful Mind. It's the mind of Christ. It's what the Lord Jesus does to your mind when you come to him. It's what he does to the very bent, the inclinations. Here's the best word of the day, maybe. Your interests change when you are saved by grace through faith and made a new creature in Jesus Christ. You get a beautiful mind. Now, is anybody tired of, anybody confused by, anybody kind of amazed by and chuckling at all the different ways that people group folks together? They put you into groups like the psychological tests. There's the Enneagram. That's got nine groups, but it's really each group has, like if you're a seven, you have a wing of either eight or six. So there's really 18 options. There's 18 kinds of people, they tell us. If you do the the four temperaments thing, there's four kinds of people on the planet. Okay, I thought it was 18. No, it's four. If you do the Myers-Briggs, there's 16 kinds of people on the planet. If you do... uh, what else is there? I wrote another one down, and now I can't remember what it was. Uh, the Myers-Briggs. There, oh no, I did that one, too. There's 16 types. Anyway, anybody confused by all that? I know the other one. The love languages. How many love languages are there? Supposed to be five love languages. Take all of those tests with a grain of salt. They're interesting and fun, but... The big five is the best of them. But anyway, there are ways that we lump people together. We even lump people together according to animal preferences, right? How many dog people are in the room? Yeah. How many cat people are in the room? Silence. (laughs) All right. We like dogs and cats both, but you're a dog person or you're a cat person. 
And then according to math skills, somebody said there are three kinds of people in the world, those who can do math and those who can't. (laughs) Math skills. And some of you were a little slow on that. There's two kinds of people in the world, those who get it, those who take a few moments to get it. There are all these ways that we group people together. Interesting, though, today in the Bible, in the passage that was read, in the passage we're looking at, God groups all of humanity into two groups. And when we look at this this morning, I want you to be looking at the text, please, and asking yourself, which group am I in? Which one of those describes me? Which group does God see me in today? We're going to start with two states of being. He describes for us two states by which, in which you exist, two states of being, Romans 8, 5. Let's look at it again, but with some different highlighting. For those who live according to the flesh, and the verb is literally those who are. It's, it's how you have your being. It's what you are. It's who you are. It's your nature. There are those who are according to the flesh, and they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But there are those who are, those who live according to the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So on the planet, there are these two categories of people. There are people who are according to the flesh, and there are people who are according to the Spirit. What does it mean to be a person according to the flesh? Well, the thing he's talking about there is, You come into the world, you exit your mother's womb, you take your first breaths, and you are in the flesh. You are born in the flesh, fallen, not inclined to seek after God. But if you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, He transfers you over. He makes a change inside you and transfers you over to the the other category, and now you are according to the Spirit. Now you are alive according to the Spirit. If you're according to the flesh, you're operating with OEM, original equipment from the manufacturer. As you get it out of your mother's womb, as you are a fallen person in Adam. If you come to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're equipped with new equipment, and you are a spiritual person, and you are inclined to and interested in spiritual things and the things of the Spirit of God. So there are these two states of being, these two categories of people. There is flesh and there is spirit. Let me illustrate for you how that works a little bit. Back to cats and dogs, if you don't mind. So would you agree with me? I don't know if this is psychologically accurate. Is there, is there animal psychology? Probably. I don't know. I don't know if this is psychologically accurate, but would you agree with me that dogs have one nature that inclines them to do certain things, while cats have another nature that inclines them to do different things? Now, what if you wanted to upgrade your cat and make it a better being? You could take the skin and fur off of a dog and put it on the cat, and he would look like a dog. That'd be an upgrade. (laughs) But it would still be a cat because its nature has not changed. But if you could leave him looking like a cat and take a dog's nature, his interests, his inclinations, and somehow put them inside of the cat, the cat would now go chase the float in the river. 
The cat would now fetch your slippers. The cat would now act like a dog. That would be an awesome cat. Its nature would be changed. That's how we are as humans. If your nature is flesh, you are inclined to the things of the flesh, to the things of this world, to the things of this life. They take up all your attention and interests and activities. It's flesh. It's your whole life looking down. If you're born anew, as Jesus described it, if you're made a new creature in Christ Jesus by calling upon His saving name, you become a person who is inclined to the Spirit, and you live your life looking up. You're inclined to the things of God. You're interested in, it changes your interests. You're interested in God and Scripture and the church of Jesus Christ and people coming to Christ and people growing in Christ. Your interests change when you come to the Lord Jesus because your state of being, your nature changes. You're no longer one according to the flesh, looking downward. You're now one according to the Spirit, looking upward. So there are these two states of being. Every one of us is one of those two. And naturally, coming out of our nature, coming out of our state of being, there are next two sets of interests. Let's look at the verse again. Those who live according to the flesh, well, what are they interested in? They set their minds on the things of the flesh. That's their whole life. That's what they're interested in. That's what they think about. That's what they desire. That's what they want to learn about. That's what thrills them. That's where their passions lie. They set their minds, literally their minds are set, on the things of the flesh. They can do no other because they're not of the Spirit. It's like a dog can't be a cat, can't can't be a dog. Somebody who's of the flesh is not going to have their mind set on the things of the Spirit. God, heaven, hell, Jesus Christ, salvation, the cross. No, 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 no. They set their minds on the things of the flesh. In some cases, the things of the flesh are evil things. And often in the Bible, the word flesh means the world and its fallenness and the bad things in the world. In some cases, in the flesh is bad things. In other cases, in the flesh is good things done for bad reasons. So your version of I'm in the flesh might be knitting. I keep picking on knitting. Are there any knitters around here? Every week I've had knitters. Nothing wrong with knitting. Bless you. Um, But you can knit your way to judgment day without Jesus Christ because you're looking downward and your whole life is all about knitting, 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 or, dare I say it, football and the Ravens, or money, or possessions, or pride, or power. They, They set their minds on the things of the flesh. They can do no other. It is their nature. John Murray, who wrote a commentary on this book, Romans, said, to have the things of the flesh as the absorbing objects of thought, interest, affection, and purpose. That's what this is. William Hendrickson, his commentary, they are most deeply interested in, they constantly talk about, they engage in and glory in the things that pertain to the flesh. That's what they mind. So there's the one category They are according to the flesh, and so they have interests in the thing of the flesh. 
What about those of the Spirit? Is there any difference in their interests? Oh, huge. But those who live or those who are by nature now in Christ, according to the Spirit, they set their minds. Actually, their minds are set. It's not something they do. It's what has happened to them. It's a change that has been worked inside of them, and their minds have been transformed, and they now have the mind of Christ, and they're taking every thought captive to obedience to Christ, and they have set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Before I was a Christian, became a Christian when I was 17, for you guests. Before that, I don't think I ever once had any thoughts about God the Bible, praying, salvation, heaven, hell, Jesus Christ, zero, just zero. Right up about the time I came to Christ, I was starting to think, maybe there's a God, and maybe I need to see him, maybe I need to find out about him. But never thought about that. I was all inclined toward this life. wasn't knitting, it was playing drums and other stuff. Flesh. From the day I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ... It's spirit. It's, I'm raised with Christ to newness of life. It's setting my affections that are on things that are above, where Christ is at the right hand of God. It's God. It's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Word of God. It's the people of God. It's drawing lost people into the church of Jesus Christ. Those are the big things on the planet. Our minds get set on the things of the Spirit. So, what this means is, maybe some of you are not not Christians here today. Welcome, we love you, so glad you're here. And maybe one thing you're checking out is, um, you know, if I became one of these believers like these people, what, what would that look like? What would that do to me? Maybe you're checking out church because you've been thinking, all right, I'm thinking about Jesus. I better go see church because I know if you do the Jesus thing, you're going to be doing the church thing. I better go see what I think of the church thing. And you're here today checking out the church thing. Good, 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 good. Counting the cost, good. What does it mean if you come to the Lord Jesus? It means a lot of things. Here's one thing. Your interests will change Oh, you might have some of the same old interests, but even the way you have them will change. So, before I was a Christian, I loved skiing. I still love skiing. I still have that interest. Before I was a Christian, I loved playing drums. I still love playing drums. Have you noticed they don't let me play drums anymore? But I still love playing drums. Sorry of me. Um, that hasn't changed. Before I was a Christian, I loved, though I never had, but I wanted, but my dad would not permit me to have, a motorcycle. Now I have a motorcycle. That hasn't changed. I still love motorcycles. Well, then, how have your interests changed? Well, in several ways. One, it's as if I was looking at all those things through the right end of binoculars, and they were large. And now the binocs have been turned around, and they've gone far away, and they're small. They're still there, but they're not life. They're not the things that make life good. They're not the important things anymore. That has changed. Your interests change. Furthermore, it's not just the way you're interested in earthly things changes, but you become interested in heavenly things, in the things of God, 
in God's Word and Scripture and praying and growing and fellowship and ministry and serving. It changes, and your life becomes about God when your life used to be about you and things and stuff. So there are these two states of being. Some are in the flesh, some are in the spirit, and they have these corresponding two sets of interests. Those who are in the flesh are interested in the things of the flesh. Those who are in the spirit are interested in the things of the spirit. And now next we have two sets of characteristics what each is like, what goes with them, what do they look like, what is their life like. The next verse, Romans 8, 6. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. First, the flesh side. To set your mind on the, on the flesh is what? But people say, oh, man, I'm really living. God looks at it and says, death. You don't realize it? It's death. Oh, boy, I got life. I'm hanging on. No, death. How many of you are Christians now and you look back to when you weren't? Wasn't that death? Does anybody want to go back? Because you say, that was really the good life. No, no, no. The good life is in Jesus Christ. To set the mind on the flesh is death. It's kind of a dead life now, living without the life of God in your soul, living without Jesus Christ, living without daily communion and fellowship with a loving Savior. It's death now, and worse, it's death then, eternal death, in the place of outer darkness where there is no light, no grace, no love. So one set of characteristics is death. What about the person who's in the Spirit? What are some of their characteristics? But those, but to set the mind on the Spirit, I love this. This is maybe my favorite part of the whole passage. It's life, and it's peace. Anybody want to sing the song, I Got a River of Life Flowing Out of Me? You know that one? How many of you know that one? Come on, we got to resurrect some of these old songs, but we're not going to sing it right now. That's a crazy song. But you got life. Jesus says if you come to him, uh, rivers of living water will well up out of your soul. Living water. It's life. There's life inside me now. I've been translated from death to life, darkness to light, flesh to spirit. There is life and there is peace. You say, I'm I'm here, I'm that person checking out church, checking out Jesus, thinking about maybe what would it be like if I become a believer? Here's what it'll be like. It'll be life, and it'll be peace. Peace with God. Peace in your soul. Peace that all is well. No matter what's going on, there can be peace in your soul. The peace of God that passes human understanding, guards your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. So you get peace. John, there's death and there's peace. There's death and there's life and peace. John chapter 10, Jesus speaks of the devil and he says, he's a thief and the thief doesn't come but to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's death. The devil wants you in death. He wants you in flesh. He wants you looking down. But 
Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Do you want a terrible pun? Can you stand a terrible pun? When I was back in Bible college, we had this sweet little old man. He's probably 40. He looked old to me then. But sweet little old man come in and preach to us. And uh, he was a pretty popular preacher in the U.S., and he made this corny joke. He was, he was preaching about abundance, and he said, how many of you have ever seen a bun dance? See, now you'll never forget that either. Maybe I just got rid of it, bequeathed it onto you, abundance. There are more characteristics of each group. Let's go on to the next verse. For the mind set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So Paul goes even further and he says, if you have that mindset on the flesh, you're hostile to God. Now, some of you are going to be outraged by that. You're going to be like, what? I'm not aware of being hostile toward God. I don't have any animosity toward Him. Let me explain. If you buy yourself a BMW M8, please take me for a ride. Better yet, toss me the keys, let me take Debbie for a ride. If you, if you buy an M8 and you're out cruising R95 one day and you're doing 160 miles an hour and there's a cop with radar sitting in the median and you blow right by him, wave, and keep on going, he turns on the lights and the siren comes out after you, which he probably wouldn't do if you're going that fast. But anyway, because he can't catch you. But anyway, so he comes after you, and you're just having a great time, enjoying the sound of the car, you know, going around people and stuff. And eventually they pull you over. You were doing 160. What do they do to you? Oh, they're cuffing you. They're arresting you. You're going to jail. You might do time. I have a friend who was doing 160. 86 on his motorcycle, he did time for that. Yeah, because it's reckless endangerment, man. You'll do time. They will treat you as hostile. Well, I wouldn't be in hostile. I was just enjoying my BMW. Yeah, but from the position of authority and from the position of law and from the position of what's right for the planet, you were being hostile. You didn't pull over when we turned on our lights. You didn't stop. We're treating you as same thing with God. They are hostile to God. How? They do not submit to God's law. God turns on the lights. He turns on the siren. He comes in his word and his spirit out after you, and you just keep on going your way, your life, your things, and that's hostility toward the God who should be the sovereign and the love of your soul. And why are they hostile to God? Notice what it says. They're hostile to God. They do not submit to God's law. Indeed, they cannot. They cannot. That means they lack the ability to be submissive to God's law. Now we're back to cats and dogs. Now we're back to two natures. There are things a cat cannot do, but a dog can. There are things a dog cannot do, but a cat can. Why? Because they have different natures. They're different on the inside, so they have different interests and different inclinations. And if you're according to the flesh... You cannot submit to God's law. It's not in your nature. You don't care about it. You don't love it. It doesn't move you. It's not one of your priorities. Other things, skiing, motorcycles, big end of binoculars are your priorities. They do not submit to God's law and they cannot. 
And he adds to it, indeed, they cannot please God. You only please God when you have a heart for God. You only please God when you're a God seeker. You only please God when you say, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh cries out for you in this dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So there are these two states of being, let's put this up, and there are two sets of interests, and there are two sets of characteristics. Now, I want to talk about some observations. That went down the wrong pipe, so pardon me. Try and clean that out a little bit. That's better. Number one, observations. The first one's very simple. You are either a natural or a spiritual person. Which are you? You are either in a state of nature, fallenness, OEM equipment that came from Adam in your mother's womb, or you're in a state of grace, renewed, new life, regenerated, reborn in Jesus Christ. You are one or the other. This polarization sticks. This one comes from God. This one is right. Myers-Briggs, I don't know. You know, Big Five, I don't know. Enneagram, I don't know. This one I know. You are either a natural or a spiritual person. Let me go on to the second one quickly. Let me hasten to the second one. And there's no third category. That is for those people who say, well, I've made a decision, and I prayed to receive Christ, and I believe Orthodox Bible doctrine, but I don't have any of these inclinations of heart. I don't have any passions for God. My desires have not changed. My mind hasn't changed. I'm still flesh, 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 this life, this life, this life. I never think of God. God is in none of their thoughts, is a verse in the Bible. So what's wrong with people who aren't in Christ. God is in none of their thoughts. And you're saying, uh, I've made a decision. I've called on Christ, but God's not in my thoughts and my mind hasn't changed. I'm a believer, but not a spiritual one. I just want you to know there's no such thing. Go home and read and reread and re-re-re-re-read Romans chapter 8 and tell me if you find anything different. You're either in the flesh or you're in the spirit. There's no, well, I'm in the spirit, but I look like I'm in the flesh. You can in some ways look like you're in the flesh, but if there is no interest in the things of God, you don't appear to be a spiritual person. All Christians are spiritual persons. There's no third category. Not in Romans 8 there isn't. Let me give you a third observation. Knowing what we do about who's on the planet, what two groups everybody is in, We see all people through the lens of natural or spiritual. Everywhere you go, you're looking at people. That's like your Iron Man. Anybody like Iron Man? Your Iron Man. You got the helmet. It's got the face shield, mask. And and from his eyes, he can see things being written on the face shield, right? And it's telling him, whatever he looks at, it's telling him, that's Denise. She's nice. That's Bill. He's crazy. It's, you know, whatever, whatever it is, whatever he's seeing, it gives him information about what he's seeing. You're in the spirit, and whenever you look at people, you're getting information about what you're seeing. They're either in the spirit, in which case you want to have fellowship with the brother or the sister, you want to build them up in the faith, or they're in the flesh, in which case you're praying for their soul and you want to lead them to Jesus Christ. 
And that's what you see. The Apostle Paul says this. He says in 2 Corinthians somewhere, For now we no longer see any man according to the flesh. We don't just see people as people. Oh, there's people. Get out of my way. You're people. Get off of my street. It's my street. I'm driving down. It's people. Now, we don't just see people. We see flesh and spirit. And we want to build up the one, and we want to draw the other one to Jesus Christ. Here's the next one, four. Got to keep moving through these. I made this point earlier. Now I want to make it. When you become a Christian... Your interests change radically. I'm just here to tell you, because I want you to go to heaven. If your interests have never changed, you need to come to Jesus Christ. If you haven't become really interested in God and the things of God, you need to be saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The difference runs very deep. You say, well, what's the difference between a Christian and a non I know a Christian, and he's an awful husband, and I know a non-Christian, and he's a fabulous husband. How do you explain that? Well, I can explain that. Some people started out in a deeper hole. They have a way to go to work on things. Somebody, somebody else started off at a good place. It's been kind of easy. But furthermore, the real change is the internal one. The guy who's an awful husband... He's awful at it, but he's looking up to God and saying, oh, God, why am I such a mess? Help me do better with this. I like what Pastor Wallace was saying earlier about, how would you say it? We're a mess looking up to Christ or something. Yeah, you don't know how you said it. You made it up then. All right. <laughs> I think he was texting his wife. Just kidding. Um, where was I? Wallace. Yeah, your interests change. You might still like skiing, you might still like music, you might still like art, you might still like motorcycles, but they're all, you're looking through the big end of the binoculars and they all got very small. And now the big thing is God and the kingdom of God and the will of God and the word of God and the people of God. And you get a whole new set of interests, the things of God. Let's go to number five. Christians and non-Christians have very different core interests. I'm really just saying the same thing in different words. I say core interests because we share many of the same incidental interests. Non-Christians are interested in water. They need water. How many of you are believers? Do you need water? Yeah. They like food. We like food. There's something they like and we like that I think has filling our nursery and filling the downstairs. Fast people and slow people again. <laughs> and, and they like it and believers like it. Uh, there are many things we, we all like, we like in common. But Christians have very different core interests. Down at the core, down in their soul, down in their heart, it's Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean you can spend all day thinking about Jesus Christ. Your job might be very consuming. Your babies might be very consuming. You might be suffering with four, four hours of sleep in two-hour chunks through the night, and you're not very brain present. But still, if I asked you what's first in your life, you'd say, oh, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You know that. It's in your soul. Christians and non-Christians, how do they differ? They have very different core interests. 
because their hearts have been changed. Let me go to number six. And all of the outward changes that occur in a Christian occur systemically. You know what that word means. You have some, who has some roses? And I love you, brother. I love you, sister. Only three. This is one of the things in Cornerstone that I need to speak about. So if you have roses and you want to feed them, you can spray stuff on their leaves. That'll feed them. Or you can put stuff down in the soil for the roots, and they take it up, and it goes throughout the system. You're feeding them systemically. The changes that occur in Christians are the systemic changes, and they start with your loves, and that goes out throughout your system, and your passions throughout your system, and your loves throughout your system, and your desires throughout your system, and your wants throughout your system, and all those things change from the inside out. It starts with your heart and your mind, and then it goes everywhere else. New hearts, new minds. Let me go to number seven. And furthermore, the most important, the most important changes are your loves, your heart, and your interests, your mind. Yes, it's good that you stopped immorality. Yes, it's good that you stopped getting drunk. Yes, it's good that you stopped lying. Yes, it's good that you stopped stealing. Yes, it's good that you stopped any number of things, you name them. But those aren't the big changes. Those are just the outward manifestations. The big changes are what go on inside, in your heart. It's your loves and your interests. Now, we're Cornerstone Community Church. We want a people whose loves and interests are captivated by our Savior and His kingdom. Can I get an amen to that? Are you with me on that? That's what we want. We love the things that are above. We're interested in the things that are above. We're living for the things that are above. Yes, we have to change diapers. Yes, we have to go to work. Yes, we have commutes to D.C. and back on the train. Yes, we have long days. But then there are our loves and our passions, and they're the most important changes that occur in us when we come to Christ. My, did my interests ever change when I came to Christ? Radically. Darkness to light. Like, you wouldn't even know it was the same person. New desires, new wants, new loves. They're stronger in some believers than they are in others, but they're in all believers. You can't be regenerated by God's grace. You can't be a new creature in Christ without it changing your loves, your heart, your interests, your mind. One last thing and I'll be done. We can sing some more and pray and go home and have communion and go home. This is going to feel like a right turn, but it isn't. These indicatives. Did you notice? Can you take me back to the very first verse, very first slide for a second, please, Seth? Um, All the way back to the beginning of the sermon. Just flip all the way back if you can. Thank you. There we go. Did you notice these are indicatives? Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set, literally, on the things of the flesh. It's not saying what you should do. It's saying what you are and what you, in fact, do. These are indicatives. They're not commands. They're not imperatives. There's no imperative, so set your mind on the Spirit. There's an indicative. Your mind is set on the Spirit. Are you with me? Are you following me on this? All right. 
every indicative of the New Testament also becomes an imperative. So here we find out our minds are set on Christ. And in Ephesians and Colossians, we are told, so set your mind on the things that are above. These indicatives become imperatives throughout the New Testament. In Colossians 3, you are raised with Christ. And in Romans 8, you are raised with Christ. Then the, then the imperative, so walk like a raised person. Walk in newness of life. Here, you have the mind of Christ. So set. Your mind is set. So set your mind. Seek the things that are above. Put Jesus Christ first in your life. Some of you are not yet believers. It's our prayer that you'll be transferred today from flesh to spirit, from death to life, from living looking down to living looking up, from living alone on the planet to living in communion with a loving creator. We're praying that you would be translated, transformed, that you would be moved over there today. And I'm going to pray for that. Would you pray with me, please? Let's bow together and we're going to pray about this. Father in heaven, thank you for bringing each person who is in this place today to this place. We look up to you now and pray that you would accomplish your purpose in each one of us. Some of us are here, and you want to save us. Oh, come in power and save, we pray. May people look up. May they look up and embrace you as their God. Oh, God, I take you as my God. I bow my knee before you, my sovereign, my king. And they call upon the Lord Jesus. Lord, may your shed blood cover up all my sins. Make me a new creature in Christ, I pray. And by your grace, Lord, some of us, many of us have done that. And we pray now that you would help us to look like it and to feel like it and to, to love like it and to live like it. Cause us to set our affections, our interests on the things that are above. Thank you for these tables of communion we love drawing near to you when we eat the bread that reminds us of your body and drink of the cup that reminds us of your blood. Remind us of those deeply in this place, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.